Hey everyone, this is your friend Kent C. Dodds, and I'm joined by my friend Preeti Kasareddy. Say hi, Preeti. Hey, Kent. So, um, Preeti and I met um, years and years ago. I actually don't remember exactly how we first got introduced. Do you remember? I think it was on the internet through one of my blog posts or something. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I tend to meet a lot of people on, on the internet. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so it's... Um, been a pleasure to know Preeti, uh, and I'm excited for you all to get to know her. So, um, Preeti, could you introduce yourself a little bit, tell the audience who you are and kind of the things you're interested in and that, that kind of thing? Sure. Um, this is always a tough question for me because I've kind of, my identity has evolved over time. But overall, I think um, I would classify myself as a blogger. Um, I write a lot, um, and Kent and some of the JavaScript community may have known me through my blog posts in the past. Um, previously mm. I've worked at Anderson Horowitz. I was a partner there. Um, after that I left and I taught myself how to code and then I joined Coinbase as an engineer. Um, and then after that I ended up starting my own company and now I'm back to blogging again. Yeah. Now I remember, um, reading your story of your transition. I think that was probably the first blog post I read of yours was about that transition um, to developer and I was inspired by your story. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I, you know, I was an engineer in college, but I wasn't a software engineer. So I was a systems engineer and, uh, I never really even knew what software engineering was. I thought it was just a bunch of nerds in a basement, like coding. Uh, and at least that was my definition of it because all the software engineers I saw on campus just looked really nerdy and I never wanted to be a nerd. So, I never even thought to look into software engineering. And then um, when I joined Anderson Horowitz and I would meet entrepreneurs every single day, like I would, you know, I met like thousands of entrepreneurs over the course of two years I was there. And basically what I realized is like software engineering is how these entrepreneurs, what, what these entrepreneurs use to change the world. Like they're able to code the future they believe in using software engineering. And I was like, wow, this is a this is an amazing skill set to have because then it allows you to build whatever you want and shape the world in different ways. And even if it doesn't mean starting a company and building a revolutionary company, you can change the world in small, tiny ways that you just couldn't do before. Mm. And I felt like it also gives you access to a whole other underworld that you just simply cannot understand. Like you know, I would try to figure out how some of these technologies would work. And I was just, I was handicapped because I, I didn't really understand how, you know, the technology stack behind it worked. And so hmm. I was like, I felt like some part of me was, me was missing as an engineer. And um, I started to teach myself how to code. And um, even though I failed a lot in the beginning, um, I was not very good at all. Uh, I kept trying and trying and trying. And then at some point I hit this like point where inflection point where it just clicked for me and I became so passionate about it and I decided to leave and quit the the amazing job I had at Andrew Horowitz mm. to teach myself how to code and uh, I did that and that's how I got into the JavaScript community because I I was teaching myself JavaScript and yeah yeah I am. I'm inspired by that story, and I remember uh, reading it um, <clears throat> years ago, and just being inspired that you decided to to take a step down, I guess, on the on the corporate ladder or whatever we want to call that, um, 
where you're really successful and experienced in what you are doing and decide to, um, you know, make a switch career wise um, and kind of start from square one again. Um, and it sounds like it was just because um, you were um, inspired by what was possible, um, by what, you, what this new skill set could enable you to do. Um, and also there was just some something that drew you toward um, being able to develop software. There was some passion there. Where do you think that comes from? The passion for software? Yeah, or just like the... Um, the willingness to take the risk that you did oh okay honestly like i think it's if i had to be completely honest it's just from my stubbornness and desire to just follow my heart and um you know ever since i was a child i i was not one of those kids who just did one sport and could do that for like 10 years and stick to it forever like I, I just genuinely was very curious and so I did a few different sports and I'd like to be follow my passions and do what I thought I wanted to do at that moment and um and so in this case like you know yeah going up a corporate ladder at VC was definitely one path but I just didn't feel like for me personally, it was the optimal path. There's just so much more in the world that I knew I was passionate about. And then I knew that I wanted to learn about. And, you know, at the time I was only 23 and I felt like if I really want to just become a venture capitalist, I can do that when I'm like 40. But uh, hmm. right now was the opportunity for me to like go out there and learn about the world, explore and just be like hungry for knowledge and, and building. And, I always like I always think the greatest artists also reinvent themselves often because if you're mm. doing the same thing um, over and over again, like times change, right? And mm -hmm. as an artist, like you need to be able to reinvent yourself all the time. And I think fundamentally I operate more like an artist and a creative in the sense that I I like to create and I know that times change and if I want to do something different I need to like reinvent myself with reinvent myself and I've never been afraid of sort of reinvent reinventing myself in that way and so learning to code mm -hmm. to me like I think a lot of people viewed it as like wow you're giving up like you're giving up a lot like you're giving up this really amazing career I think that's a really good way to look at it but that's like a, a sort of like a glass half empty way to look at it the other way I think mm -hmm. about it is like it's like you know what you know what else can i do with this new skill set that i'm going to have that i just couldn't do if i continued down this path without that skill set and like i said like if i really want to go to vc I, i'm pretty sure i can make that happen but um now with the new skill set i have i can do vc plus so much more and i was like okay it's the opportunity is just so so much bigger on the other end so i can't imagine not taking it yeah, I, I something interesting that kind of came to my mind as you were talking there was that, um, you know, like the early stages of when you're just learning a new skill. Um, and especially, I think lots of us felt that um, maybe when we were teenagers or, you know, going through college or, or whatever it was that uh, we went through to get to the uh, career path that we're on right now, um, there there's like some excitement, maybe frustration, maybe even some fear um, if there's a, 
you know, a lot riding on the line of you succeeding. Um, but there, there's something unique and, and special uh, to that, um, that period of personal um, improvement and uh, working on yourself and your own skills. Um, and I think we kind of lose that. And after a while, we fall into the uh, drudgery of just everyday life where we're applying the same skills that we learned, you know, 10 years ago or whatever. Um, and we start uh, or we stop innovating on ourselves. Like maybe we're innovating with the skills that we've we've developed and that's awesome. But we stop innovating on ourselves and, um, you know, discovering new capabilities or in improving um, new capabilities within ourselves um, and, you know, discovering new um, hobbies or interests that we might have. Um, if we just say, stay so focused on what we have now and maybe on what the world is telling us um, where our value lies, I guess. Exactly. And I think this is, I mean, this is, it's, this is such a hard thing for people to navigate because I think when we're young, um, we have all these dreams and aspirations to, you know, follow our passions or, or become this and become that. And then you kind of grow older and older. And then society sort of puts all these expectations on you of what you think you should be doing, what they think you should be doing. And, um, and oftentimes, you know, we're not at an age when we're trying getting into the job market where we've truly found our passion, quote unquote. So we give into a job or a role that will will make do for the expectations that society has. But then our mm. dreams kind of get shoved under a rug. And then by the time you want to actually realize those dreams or even have the ability to go back and, and reevaluate them, it might be even too late. So I think... Mm. I really think that, um, I think, I think like, I think the key thing that's missing here is when you're young, um, people are not encouraged to, how do I put this? Like, they're not, they're, they're given, they're almost like objectively logic. They're given more logical routes of how to follow their life and career and everything, because logic is the best way to justify your decision. Like, okay, like if you pursue this path, you'll make the most amount of money. Or if you path, pursue this path, it'll be the safest. Um, if you provide, mm. pursue this path, it'll be um, the most, um, I don't know, like you get the best retirement, whatever it is. Like there's like logical mm. reasons why certain career paths make sense, but all the illogical paths um, are, um, are, you know, there's no, there's no reason or rhyme or reason to follow them. So people don't encourage you to follow them. And sometimes mm. your dreams and aspirations follow in those, in those paths. And I, I don't, I don't mean to sound weird or crazy, but I think like, sometimes the illogical paths are actually probably the right answer and the logical one might not be the right answer. And I know, I know I started to realize, think about this a lot over the last year or so, because I continue to meet people, especially who are, you know, five, 10 years older than me. I'm 29 people who are like 35, 40, who, who, you know, who they've accomplished a lot in their life. They've, you know, you know, started a company or, you know, um, they, they're even rich or they, 
um, you know, progressed along the career ladder, or they're a VP at something or whatever it is, mm. they're, they're like fundamentally unhappy. And I'm mm. like, okay, like, why, why are people, some of the most successful people unhappy? And I think I realized, like, I, I don't, I don't think they truly pursued, like, their dream, per se, they kind of did what society laid out for them, sort of the, mm. the ABC path, but they never explored the the uncharted path, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think I, that just makes so much sense. And, and honestly, I, I wonder why we're not, um, why we don't talk about this more, why we're not mindful. I, I think if you had a big group of of people in a room and brought them together and said, okay, how many of you think that money is going to buy you happiness or whatever, or, or like uh, that happiness just comes from being financially successful or, or professionally successful. I think most people would, um, would say, no, like that's not what happiness comes from. Um, but the, then there's a, a disconnect because I think lots of us um, are maybe, Maybe it's just because we're too busy trying to make ends meet to stop and think about where am I going to really find happiness? I don't know. But there's um, for some reason, we still just pursue this stuff that um, we admit to ourselves that will not bring us happiness rather than pursuing the things that um, that we want to or, or that we um, feel, you know, have a dream about, uh, not, not like an actual dream, maybe an actual dream, but like, ha- you know, have this desire, um, in us that I want this thing to exist. I want to be a part of this movement. I want to be, uh, I want this, um, in my life. Um, and we kind of put those things, uh, to the side because the world tells us that we, uh, can't have those things until we have secured for ourselves this, you know, um, I don't know, a nest egg or, or something like that. That's a shame. Exactly. And it's, it's, um, there's a few things I want to hit on, which is one, again, it comes back to the fact that like, I think, I think the world is driven by logic and what's objectively measurable is what's valued. And if something can't be objectively measured, then it's hard for people to place a value on that. And, and so, that's why more creative or other endeavors are just less valued. Like, why do you think it's mm. less valuable to, why do you think you make no money as an artist or a writer compared to how much money you can make as like a hedge fund analyst, right? Mm, yeah. As a hedge fund manager, like you're literally making billions of dollars a year or sorry, like the fund is making billions of dollars a year. You're probably making millions of dollars a year um, mm-hmm. because the world values that um, because that's just how it works. It's objectively quantifiable, whereas like art is not and writing is not. Right. Um, so though, so as a result, um, we're just, there's no, the, the, the incentives are not there, quote unquote, for you to pursue the more um, passionate routes. But I think, I think a lot of that, I think what's really cool right now is a lot of that is starting to, starting to change where you're starting to see people who, you know, are truly passionate about these things can actually build like even if it's not your entire life's earnings like you can build some portion of your earnings um pursuing your passion and maybe you do the other Mm. portion doing your regular job but there's Mm -hmm. so many tools online now to to do that and you know like with i'm seeing all the creators on instagram and tiktok and you know 
medium and all these places that just gives you access to all these things to actually pursue your passion. So I think we're living in a day and age where finally people can actually make a decent living off of pursuing quote unquote their passions. And I want to cover the second point, which is um, money. And I think like, I think oftentimes, yeah, like even the richest people just, you know, and I've met really rich people too. They, they're not the happiest people. There's absolutely zero correlation between how much money you have and how happy you are beyond mm. a certain point of money. Like, right. yeah, it's more money makes you happy until a certain point. And then beyond that point, there's actually like no correlation. And there's even charts and data to show, show this. And it makes sense because, um, you know, I've lived in extreme low income family. Like I was, you know, when we were growing up, we were really poor. And then I'm not poor anymore, but I'm not like uber rich either, but I'm better than I was when I was a child. And mm-hmm. I can even see the difference in myself, right? Like when I get used to certain comforts, like um, being able to order an Uber to get to places versus walking or taking the bus. Um, all these comforts, uh, like it just, it it makes you lose your your drive and your passions and I don't know, like I don't like, and none of it. I don't know if it really makes me happy that I can take an Uber. There was almost like some pride I took in being able to walk and take a bus to a place because it felt like I did something. I don't know, like I don't know how to. I'm not sure how to even explain this in words. But like money, at a certain point, like I think what I realized is you can get really comfortable, and it can almost make you not want to work hard to pursue your passions mm. it comes at odds almost mm-hmm. you're so comfortable that uh you don't want to get out of your comfort zone to work hard to make your passions happen so too much money can actually be counterproductive to you pursuing your passions and dreams and whatnot yeah and i think that i i have heard a lot of studies where um you know, you overlay um, money um, over happiness and, you know, it, it scoops up and then it plateaus and then it, it dives down pretty fast. Um, and uh, of course, that's not going to be cross applicable to everybody in the world. Uh, you know, some people find um, ways to have lots of money and be happy. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but um, I do think that um, if our pursuit is um worldly acclaim and um and possessions and that kind of thing um then those are empty and hollow um things that uh you know and and maybe your pursuit is um, worldly wealth so that you can go off and do wonderful things with it and maybe that's where you can find satisfaction and fulfillment and happiness out of having uh so much wealth Uh, and so that that's an avenue you can take i guess um but uh i i really like this idea that you're um pushing forward of uh, focusing on the things that you're um, passionate about, or, or that you, you know, the dreams that you have, um, just following your heart in that way, um, and that can be a mechanism to provide more real value in the world than if you're just kind of guessing at what um, what you can do to provide value in the world. Um, because I think that, uh, like, we could say, oh, well, I you know, I'm really no good. Well, I don't want to give any specific examples, but, um, 
if we just kind of say, you know what, I, I really have this, this dream of one day writing a novel, I guess I am going to give an example, but mm-hmm. instead of doing that, I'm going to uh, go off and, and be a hedge fund manager because um, that's what my dad did. That's what his dad did. And, and that's just what we, uh, we do. And, and that's how I'm going to sustain the lifestyle that I'm used to. Um, then there's that, that dream. And, and there's a huge amount of value that you could provide um, if you're doing the thing that you're excited and passionate and, and that you dream of doing, um, that will never be realized because you're so busy uh, trying to satisfy other people's expectations or even your own unfair expectations of yourself. Yeah. And I don't like, and exactly. And I don't, um, I don't mean to overplay the need to find your passion because I think some where people sometimes struggle is like, Oh, like I haven't found my passion and I, am I screwed? Like, I don't, I'm like, you know, I'm 30. I'm not passionate about anything. And I think like sometimes maybe passion is all often maybe even the wrong word, but it's like, it's a, it's just like, things that you genuinely enjoy doing it doesn't even have to be that it's your like single life's passion um but sure yeah like and uh and i think there's an interesting Anne ryan quote where she says like um like being like i think in going to be to your point about like doing what doing what you think other people want you to do versus doing what you self want you want yourself to do and this is something i've thought about a lot because one feels selfless right you're trying to you're giving for the world you're changing the world um by doing thing by doing something that the world wants you to do uh versus doing what you yourself want to do which is very selfish um, and serves mm-hmm. your own purpose, but doesn't maybe serve the world. But she she said something interesting where she was like, you know, being selfless is actually selfish because mm. why are you selfless, right? Why do you care to do do something for the world? Um, it's because it makes you feel good, and it's like you're almost you're doing it for yourself in the end. So you you can never let go of this idea that you're inherently selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, Everything you do, whether it's you, you know, your desire to have kids, yeah, it does help the world, but it's also because like you feel like you f- you fulfill a purpose in life, and so you have to ju- you have to just admit that like we can argue we can argue that literally everything we do is selfish, in which case mm. I think you have to pick and choose where you want to be quote unquote selfish, and I think it's okay to be selfish about doing things that truly make you happy because happier you will put out have more energy more good energy in the world and you'll naturally do better work as a result mm-hmm. um, and they'll you know down the line they'll have like much higher value than you doing something suboptimally in a less passionate way but in the end like that has actually less value in the world because uh, I know at least I'm speaking for me personally I know that like if I'm if I'm interested in a topic, in a subject, in a skill, in something, then I put my hundred and ten percent into it, and as a result, like I'm, I just get, I'm able to do a lot and accomplish a lot with that. But if I'm, you know, kind of fifty percent there, it's just, it's just nowhere nearly as my output is not nearly as good as when I'm passionate, like when I'm like interested in it and. And I'm happy doing it, right? Mm-hmm. So I think um, 
I think like I actually think more value would be created in this world if people truly did the things that made them um, that they felt they're good at and that they that and that makes them happy. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I, I agree with that totally. Like, I, I think that um, if everybody just focused on the things that they really were excited about, wanted to do, um, you know, wholesome things, of course, if we're all just sitting around playing video games, <laughs> nothing's going to get done. But, uh, you know, I don't think most people have that uh, an actual passion. I, I'd consider that maybe more of an addiction. Um, but um, if people were, um, you know, intrinsically motivated to do the things that they were doing, uh, because it's things that they're really passionate about, I do think that we would create more value in the world. Um, and I would also say that maybe more important than the amount of value that you can create in the world. Um, I'm not going to say maybe this absolutely more important than the value you create in the world is the happiness level that you feel in your own life. Um, and, and the value that you can create as a side effect of the happiness that you, uh, and, and satisfaction that you get from your own life. Um, and so absolutely being selfish, um, it like is, you know, being selfishly in self-interested in your own, true happiness. And I'm not talking about, you know, the fleeting happiness that, um, you know, that you can get from, I don't know, like you get that from getting buzzed or uh, whatever, um, not that kind of happiness, but actual true joy and, and satisfaction out of life. Um, when, when you get that, I, I do believe we'll also get to a point in the world where um, you're providing more value to the world. So it's, it's um, all upside, no downside there. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you can think of many examples. Uh, you know, for example, I, I, one that I probably relate to you on is writing um, and blogging mm. in the sense that like I, a lot of people can't say this, but like I'm genuinely passionate about writing. I genuinely enjoy like publishing posts and genuinely enjoy, enjoy the process of teaching via my writing. Mm. Um and I know, I know I've impacted tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of people through people through my blog posts, because I get messages almost every day saying like, okay, this inspired me, this inspired me. And so I know that I know, that, I know this is true. I know that if you truly do what you're, what you're, what you are excited about and what gets you up in the morning and what, what makes you excited and what makes you feel, feel good, then that energy that you put out the energy, for example, that I put out in my posts, um, um, is uh, the the I can feel the the rebound of it by the messages that I get from people who are you know thanking me or whatever for the for that post. So I, I think that's a concrete example of a way that like if you're happy, the energy that you put out in the world through your happiness and through your work will will be shown by that. Absolutely. And even if the the work that you create in doing that um, doesn't reach the the number of people that um, alternative work could reach. For example, um, <clears throat> I, I decided to start writing a novel last year for uh, National Novel Writing Month, and uh, not very many people have read it. Um, it's not a very good novel. Um, <laughs> I'm still in the editing process, but um, it was just so enormously um, challenging and satisfying and fulfilling for me. And it, it was really a transformative experience uh, for me. And it, it made 
a really big impact on my life. And I have to believe that despite the enormous amount of hours that I spent writing, um, I received a positive return on that investment in my um, throughput uh, in general in life. Like before that, my hobby was basically my job and um, I just loved coding and I, I have a family, I have four kids and, and a wife and, and I spend plenty of time with them. Um, but outside of spending time with them, I was always coding um, or yeah, like doing open source, whatever. And um, when I found the, you know, novel writing as an outlet, a creative outlet, it changed things for me in a really positive way. Um, and I think that it made me, um, maybe I'm not pushing out as many releases to my open source libraries, but the ones that I do um, are probably higher quality just because my general attitude is better. Uh, and even if they weren't, at the end of the day, like nothing matters quite so much as the happiness level of society in general. And so I think anything that's going to increase the happiness level of, of people is a, a positive thing for the world, even if the, you know, quote unquote value is reduced. So either way, um, I, I think focusing on the things that, you know, act, and actually that was a, a dream of mine when I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a novel writer. Um, and, uh, so taking that opportunity and, and that, you know, significant amount of time to, to try and make that happen um, really paid off and, and is still paying off. I'm still working on it. It's just been an awesome experience for me. Um, yeah, looking for those those things that I dreamed of doing. And, and now that I'm an adult and I have responsibilities and stuff, I, I kind of have lost some of those dreams and, and looking back and trying to, to identify some of those has just been a really positive experience for me. Yeah, and that's that's an amazing that's an amazing story. It's really cool that you wrote the novel. And that's exactly what I mean. Um it's I see it. I see it in people who cuz that energy is 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 so um it's so hard to create artificially. Like you mm. it only comes um when you like and everyone's different. That energy comes for different people and different things. And mm. it's it's one of those things, it's a life force that's honestly just like, you cannot explain it, you cannot put words on it, it's not objective, it's just there. And, and that because the energy is so hard to create artificially, I think that's what makes it so valuable and powerful. And mm. waste that away, um, and um, or or suppress it doing things that you're that, that doesn't give you that energy. I just think I don't know. You only live once, right? So why, why, why would you do that? <laughs> that's kind of how mm -hmm. I think about it. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, well, so Preeti, we're coming down on our time here, and I just want to give uh, folks the homework. So, for the homework for this episode, we want you to go back in time. You know, maybe go on a walk or, or something, just like, or or on a drive. Next time you're driving in your commute, whatever. Don't turn on the podcast, turn on, like pause this podcast right now. You could, <laughs> wherever you're listening to it, you're probably in a situation you could do this, but um, go back in your mind and, and think about the dreams that you had when you were a child and reevaluate those dreams now. Uh, because when you were a kid, you probably couldn't make those things happen, but maybe you could make those things happen now. And there's just something that happens between childhood and adulthood where we um, suppress those, um, those dreams or those passions 
because they're not practical or they aren't going to get us the success that we want out of life or whatever. Um, but reevaluate them now and um, consider taking the the leap of um, you know of doing something that may not seem like the most logical choice. Uh, so that's our homework uh, for you. Do you have anything to say about that, Preeti? Yeah, and I'll just say a couple last things. One is that um, there's uh, this path that we're talking about is is not the easy one either because it's not the one that's charted, like I said earlier, mm. and it's not the one that gives you safety nets or uh, a rule book or blog posts to follow or like tutorials. Like there's like, it's kind of one of those things where if you like, it's something that you have to kind of, you're on your own and you have to think independently about sort of how to navigate this. And that's not to say there's not communities and other people out there who are doing the things you probably want to do but it just takes um, you stepping out of your comfort zone to explore those and um, and rather than trying to find the, the, the path that's given. So I think, and I, I often find that people don't do that because they're scared of, of taking that uncharted path. But I think if you just take that step and just try it once, um, even if you don't realize you hate it, you hate, you hate the idea of, charting your own path you rather live a more comfortable life and you come back to that that's fine but I think like at least give it a shot once rather than never trying that into in your entire life um mm-hmm. so that's kind of where I'd end it love it yeah that's wonderful thank you Preeti uh so much for giving us some of your time today to chat with me and um do you, is what's the best place for people to reach out to you on the internet if they would like to um, sure. I'm on Twitter at I am underscore Preeti. And so you can just reach me there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was an enlightening conversation. And uh, yeah, we'll see everyone next time. Thanks, Kent. Bye. Bye.